Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. I'm going to start out with our typical crop report, but I'm going to bring you the crop report from the guys that are out of state uh, as far as how things are going to the north. Start with the, with the guys out there in northwest Ohio. Uh, they do have their beans done, which is a good feeling. They put a big push on with a forecast of two to three inches of rain coming in. Uh, Ray said they started on Monday morning and the crew decided they would run until they got rained out. 24 hours later, they had cut 570 acres of beans uh, and were able to finish up. And man, that's nonstop. So that's that's uh, crazy, but then again, they're from Ohio, so that's the way they do things out there. Uh, bean yields, he said, are from the mid-30s to the mid-50s, depending on whether you got rain or not. Uh, replant beans were coming in the June planted beans were coming in the mid 50s they actually finished with some moisture uh, in that area itself but for the most part bean harvest is coming to a finish they thinks they're about 85% done in the area with beans corn harvest though is only about 10% done so they got a long ways to go on the corn harvest out there um, yield ranges so far in that 170 to 200 range um, so they expect to see some good corn as they continue through that. They have seen some replant corn uh, coming in, and it's still looking pretty good as well. Unless, like here, wherever guys went and thickened up corn stands without tearing it out, they've been pretty tough out there as they, as they have been here at South. Again, kind of a lesson that, that we learned uh, pretty much through this whole fall. You've got to be real careful when you stick corn in. So far, the corn is standing pretty good out there for them. They're in a rain delay right now, um, but their rain wasn't too bad compared to, he talked about some parts of Michigan and stuff to the north of them are on a 10-inch rain delay, meaning they've received 10 inches here in the last week. So it'll be a long time before they get back in in those areas itself. Moving over to north-central Iowa, <clears throat> where uh, Joe is, is up there working away at it. He says they're about 90% done with beans in the area. And he would say the area beans have been from average to disappointing. Uh, beans in the mid-40s to the mid-50s. Uh, the early planted beans are the ones that are doing better, that are pushing up into the mid-60s. And that would kind of correlate to what we're seeing just about everywhere. The earlier planted beans right now have the upper hand. He said he believes corn harvest to be about 40 to 50% done and corn harvest in general 15 to 20 bushel better than anybody had anticipated. The big issue they have is corn moisture. Moistures are between 20 and 25% and this has brought the elevators to a crawl. Uh, he said that's uh, slowed the harvest down from getting the grain moved and they've already seen uh, snow twice. So a situation where it's time to get that crop out uh, itself. Now, standability up there is a little bit challenged, mainly due to summer windstorms. There's a lot of goosenecking took place in the crop up there where the corn was laid over and straightened itself back up. So that's creating some harvest challenges. In general, standability is not too bad, but he said it's uh, kind of fading away from him. So it's time to get that crop out north central Iowa as well. Dr. Scott there in east central Iowa in that Waterloo area. Uh, they finished up their soybeans October 31st. He thinks the area is about 90% done. Beans ranging in the 60 to 70 bushel range. Um, they've had a real good run uh, on 
corn and beans are about 75% done on corn, so they're moving along pretty good. That's been kind of the sweet spot as far as watching the yields go, and the yields have stayed strong for them up there. A lot of corn above that 260 bushel mark. He said he had a 185-acre field they finished yesterday that was eight-tenths of a bushel under a 280-bushel average, so um, they're, they're well pleased. He said they are chasing weak stalks. It's causing them to jump around from field to field and harvest uh, the varieties and the fields that uh, are coming apart on them. Uh, and they're, so far they've been able to stay ahead of it, but Scott tells everybody to keep an eye on the hybrids. By variety, they're, they're starting to come apart uh, and they've been able to stay ahead of them. I did talk with the seed dealer in the western part of Iowa and he says they're dealing with a lot of down corn in the western part of Iowa, a lot of broken over stalks, and a massive amount of ear droppage. And this goes back to uh, 65 mile an hour sustained winds that they receive. So it's created a mess, especially if you had any type of crown rot. He said that they're uh, really created some challenges out there for the harvest part. Locally, though, the guys are continuing to chip away at this bean crop. It's going slow. Um, you know, as far as trying to find that window to cut beans, corn yields for the most part are staying strong. Still some disappointment in that 136 corridor as well as the 116 corridor up there uh, as far as finding some fields that just don't stand up to par. I have been getting a lot of reports started early in the season, but they still continue to come in. Guys telling us that their corn on corn fields are actually outdoing their corn on bean fields this year. Uh, and I'm going to guess a lot of that's probably due to good mineralization release late in the season of nutrients as well as nitrogen itself. Uh, as the grain's coming in, it seems to have stalled in its downward spiral for moisture. So a lot of corn is trapped between that 18 and 21% moisture and just not wanting to move off of that. Of course, this is starting to create a, a, a backup at the elevators itself. So some of the elevators are coming to a crawl. This is kind of a concern because uh, that's going to back up the end of harvest uh, if we have to uh, sit there in line at the elevator. So um, we'll watch. There's a lot of crop from Bloomington North that needs to come out yet. I would say we're still, um, you know, about 50% done with corn. So we got a long way to go and we're about 90% done with beans. And as we say that, this crop is starting to buckle, especially where we had crown rot and drought stress. You know, these are good yields, but a lot of these varieties gave up everything they had to maintain that yield that you're picking out there. And now we're starting to see that in uh, standability as far as uh, plants that are starting to buckle or fold. And even some ear droppage, and this ear droppage due to the stress that we saw earlier. Now, this isn't a real big surprise. We knew the crown rot was there, but we started this harvest season out pretty dry, so that helped. But as we took on the moisture in the cooler, wetter conditions, the, the crown rot is starting to take the plants out themselves. I've already talked to guys who've spent three days on a field trying to pick up down corn. And I'm going to tell you to use your time wisely. Don't spend three days on a field that's already down while you have others about to go down. So your scout, your pest boss, he needs to stay out there ahead of you and find those fields that are in trouble and move to them and catch them before they go down and you can harvest a field in a day instead of three days. So stay on top of it. Don't burn up a lot of time on down corn when other crops uh, are going to fall down on you. 
go get the stuff while it's still standing, come back to that down crop later. I know that's kind of hard to do, but the reality is we don't want to be spending a lot of our time on down crop and have more fields falling around us itself. Bean harvest, of course, does come first, and we're now at that time of year where we're harvesting beans by the hour, not by the field. And I know that's a little more frustrating and a lot less efficient, but we do need to get those beans out and finish up that crop. This year, I've seen it, and I had a lot of reports coming in about spots in the bean field where all the beans are missing. Could be the size of a pickup. We've seen some as high as a quarter of an acre. I've seen a 160-acre field with maybe uh, four or five dozen spots like this out there. And some of these spots are just the standard 13-line ground squirrel. And when you go out there and you find all the missing plants, you'll find a, an en entry hole where the ground squirrel goes in, and you'll find usually an exit hole. But uh, and it's pretty clear that something is working, and there's a colony of 13-line ground squirrel in that area. That's normal, we're used to seeing that, and we handle that with our baits. We poison those uh, uh, squirrels in the spring and the fall with your bait stations. But what we're seeing now is actually a lot of vole damage. So we're talking more like a mouse in this situation than a 13-line ground squirrel. And, and the vole, uh, you know, once it reaches maturity in about 40 days, it has a gestation period just like mice at about 21 days. So a vole can have three or four litters in a growing season with three or four um, voles in each litter itself. How you differentiate between a 13-line ground squirrel and a vole is the vole is going to have runways above ground but below the residue. So they're going to have tunnels out there, if you want to think of it that, underneath the, the residue, and they're going to be moving around and feeding, hiding in those tunnels, uh, staying away from their predators itself. 13-line ground squirrel doesn't operate with those uh, above-ground tunnels under the residue. They pretty much move around about as they feel above ground. Where these voles are going to have a network of surface tunnels. Those surface tunnels will lead back to an underground hole where they'll overwinter uh, and be around for next year in that situation. But they can, uh, the colonies can build and those colonies can get to be a pretty good size. Like I said, a quarter acre of beans missing is something I've seen more than once this fall. Now they're predators. Their predators, of course, are snakes and hawks, owls, coyotes, fox that can see them. Uh, we'll typically keep them cleaned up. But what we're seeing here is a kind of an onslaught of vole damage that's showing up. And most all of it is in no-till. Uh, and it could be no-till, but it could also be the, the outside borders of a conventional till field if you're up next to, let's say, set-aside crop, uh, a CRP or pollinator-type program itself, or grass pastures. The worst of it is in our no-till with covers. Not all fields have it. I'm not saying that it's every field out there, but some of the worst cases are in the no-till fields with cover crops on it. But we're also seeing it in just flat-out no-till, uh, and the colonies were small and now they're getting to be something that we have to reckon with uh, as uh, time builds on and a part of it is the population can build so fast because of the gestation period being only 21 days so it's kind of like when you get mice in the granary if we don't take care of them right away all of a sudden we've got problems uh, of magnitude fields with serious vole problems uh, they may need to be taken out of cover crop 
to beat this population back or to, to move it on. So a situation we have to think about how much damage we have. Eliminating some of that cover so the predators have a better chance um, to, to get uh, this mice population or this vole population under control. In no-till, um, we can re remove the covers for a while. Here's where the fall burndowns help. We're going to help eliminate, um, you know, chickweed and henbit can be covered for them in the spring, especially after we melt it down, they can, they can hide underneath that. Going with the fall burn down and running your vertical harrows in your bean stubble is another way to disturb these surface tunnels and expose them to the predators. So give the coyotes and everything else a better shot at it. And you can still say somewhat into no-till in that scenario, meaning you do have some cover out there, but you're kind of exposing them itself. Now, again, not all fields are having trouble, so I'm not saying that this is a, something that we have to do, but we need to keep an eye on these fields where we start to run the combine through and we see large patches of soybeans that are missing out there itself. Um, and uh, again, for you guys with the cover crops, if that's something that you're seeing within the cover crops itself, we may have to get this population beat back. As we move away from uh, standard no-till, uh, we could bring in erosion and all those other things, so we have to be, be careful with just saying we're going to do tillage on that field and fix that problem. Now, again, tillage wouldn't necessarily kill these uh, animals. It might be a few of them get killed, but a lot of them would just move to a different area itself. But if it is just the 13 line ground squirrel, then we can use our bait traps that we use in the spring and the fall to keep that colony under control. And that's usually fairly effective. I'm not sure that bait traps are gonna work for this animal because it reproduces so fast and a uh, situation where I'm not sure we can get it to actually feed in the bait traps like, uh, like it does. And there is no labeled baits that we can use out in the field. Zinc phosphate pellet would be a good uh, food for this critter. It would take him out, but we don't have labels to, to work with that itself. Let's keep aware of this. If we see small patches of it in the field and we get ahead of it now before we get into some of these fields where it is a serious problem and it has to be dealt with, see if we can get ahead of this guy before he takes off. I think we'll see more of it as we have more and more pollinator programs and things like that out there for the habitat forum. But again, let's be wary of the potential for it itself. Uh, had a lot of calls already in the last couple of weeks about fall tillage and guys asking for help on getting their inline rippers and stuff set so we get the complete full shatter that we talk about in vertical tillage and decided uh, that we'd shoot a YouTube video to kind of give you some inside tips on this and Zach's working on that as I speak and it'll be posted here shortly uh, so watch for the notification on that and you can uh, take a look at it and get an idea on what we're talking about when we talk about complete shatter with an inline ripper uh, out there itself. Again, uh, as you guys knock these fields down, uh, call them in so we can clean them up behind you, get the soil test turned around for you itself, and get you keep you on schedule for the fall program. And with that, keep her safe, keep her moving.